Hi, and welcome back to a podcast above a convenience store, talking Twin Peaks. I'm Joe Fremming from the Joe Down. With me, as always, is Paul Muad'Dib from Cast That Movie. Hi, Paul. Hi, Joe. How are we doing, buddy? Uh, you know, Voldemort and all, and the world's on fire, but, you know, I'm hanging in there. How are you doing? Yeah, about the same. Hanging in there, you know. Um, I mean, I did have... One, two, three, four, five, six episodes, I think, of Twin Peaks. Maybe seven. Oh, my God. I don't know. My brain hurts. Yes. So, Paul, last week, we went deep into Fire Walk with me. We, we went did. Springsteen concert length of three hours discussing yes. the film, the missing pieces, secret history, the return, and how that all kind of helped us appreciate the movie a lot more. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. And since we're on that subject, we had some feedback. Yes. Did you see that? Yes. Uh, we should name. get. It's John, John Bernardi. John Bernardi, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. John Bernardi uh, gave us a little more information to look into. He wrote an excellent uh, column on uh, the Jade Ring. Yes. Yes, he did. It was absolutely fascinating. And I wanted to highlight that a little bit. Um, He wrote this um, in April of uh, 2018 for the site 25 years later um, site.com. Which Um, is an excellent site, everybody, for pop culture stuff. Just I'm going to plug them because they're they got a lot of cool stuff on that website. It's not all Twin Peaks either. They have some other things going on on there. Mm hmm. Yes, absolutely. So he's done a couple of articles on the ring, uh, on the all ring, but on this one it was kind of an update, and <clears throat> I really liked his views on it. Um, that the all ring is the portal to the waiting room, which is kind of what you and I had said. Um, it channels in channels power uh, into you to achieve your highest ambition, which we had talked about. It gets you to your peak, but then what we what um, he got to is it begins reabsorbing that power the moment the ambition is achieved, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, no, there was it's a it's a lengthy article which I love. I love long form, but yeah, the, he goes into some areas that I honestly had not even thought about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like the zigzags, you can feel the zigzags backward realm of the Red Room um, has leaked out into the real world. I mean, just really cool stuff getting into the masking, um, the wearer's ability to exert their ring, I, you know, uh, their, their will. Um, absolutely fascinating article. And it's really awesome that he's listening to the show. And, you know, I was reading his um, that article and I just really wanted to shout that out and say that's really cool that we have a, a guy that writes articles listening to our podcast. Like, wow, how awesome is that? That was great. Yeah, and like how the uh, the wear of the ring, once they, was a, how he phrased it, like they achieve their full potential, then that's when the ring starts demanding the energy back. Yeah, it's a yes. really interesting, interesting, and it really makes me think about stuff, and I love it. Uh, yeah, John, you rock. <laughs> yeah. We also have another viewer I want to call out, Kwong. Get yes. caught, damn it. We need you to be listening. Yeah, catch up, Kwong. Um, damn you it. Know, and I, I was just going to say, uh, I'm going to throw this out here to John as well, if, he is, if he's listening to this episode, which I'm sure he is. Um, always be willing to bring him in as a special guest if he wants to come in for one of our um, one of our episodes, especially maybe when we get into the, to the books and the deeper lore. I think it would be really cool to have his perspective on it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
yeah, I am 100% behind that. John, just be glad you're not doing what we're doing tonight. No. What Sorry, are we doing if you're here? a fan of these episodes, I apologize, but not really. I'm still mad. What are we doing tonight, Joe? You see, Paul, after fire walk with me, for every peak, we need a valley. And we descended into bullshit canyon here. Because <laughs> this is the post-Lynch Frost era of Twin Peaks. Oh. Uh, a show without an anchor, because the network demanded the anchor be cut from the ship. <laughs> it's bad. This is really, really bad, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There, it's not all... Look, Frost and Lynch left crumbs. They had a game plan for how the season was kind of end, going to end. I remember seeing an interview with frost where he said yeah kind of like they walked away but they had a they had a blueprint of where the show was supposed to be going that they i think they just kind of assumed the writers were gonna do but my guess is the only blueprint was for cooper that's my guess and briggs and that's it because everybody else they're just throwing everything at the wall and we'll we're not going to go in depth because frankly we have our own sanity to try to but you have the, the attempt at a Bobby-Audrey relationship. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, as we've mentioned before, James uh, James flies off a cliff, uh, dies and mysteriously comes back in the return. I have no idea how that happens. <laughs> he's just really cut. His story just cut down real short all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, we could hope, right? Oh, God, yeah. So... Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, uh, yeah, Ben Horn. A lot of this could have been handled better, I think, under better writers. Uh, ben Horn's descent after everything that happens to him, but like a trauma of whatnot, I would have believed. You know, it could have been done very well, but God damn, it isn't. No, it's not. And uh, honestly, in full disclosure, everybody, and I'm not – I fast-forwarded through all the James and Ben Horn stuff because it does not bring anything to the story. I, I full disclosure, I also fast-forwarded through the James stuff. I didn't do some of the so some of the um, Ben Horn stuff, but believe me, I wanted to. I did. I just I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. Like, look, fair enough. There's just I don't some blame things. Them. Even I have my limits, and I sat through three seasons of Fuller House for my blog. <laughs> Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> the episodes we're going to be discussing today is a uh, six of them, but this is really much. Uh, it, it picks up a bit after these. These are just like yes. the, these are the dark years. These are like <laughs> the gas leak years, if you will. Pretty much. Uh, dispute between brothers, mask ball, the Black Widow, checkmate, double play, and slaves and masters. Yes. Now, let's just, uh, okay. I think we should just go through the stupid, cut out the stupid storylines right away. Ben has a mental break uh, from the events that happened. Uh, He almost going to jail for the murder of Laura Palmer. Mm -hmm. Becomes a Civil War enthusiast or whatever to deal with this trauma. It breaks after the whatever the South rewin wins. Yep, the South the South rewins the war. Which yeah, is like South the wins the war. Thing. Philip K. Dick reality. Uh, yep. 
it's stupid. Bobby Briggs tries to blackmail Ben into a job. Yeah, which is weird. Leo comes back only to get stabbed and beat up again. And he's, he has the birthday cake on his face from like five weeks ago. I. Yep. And Wyndham Earl catches him. Who cares? The only. And they're going to get into it, but I, I do want to say there was, I felt a parallel um, with with the Wyndham Earl, which was just a terrible way it was done. I, I felt like I was supposed to have this Frankenstein like tie to it. Yeah. And it just went nowhere. Like it, it, even that had had moments where it could have been interesting. Like it would have been really cool to see him build up Leo to be his murderous thing. Yeah. That would have been interesting, but that's we didn't not get okay. that. We, we didn't just, get that. Well, hell no, we didn't get that. We got a lot of bullshit. We got a. Uh, oh God, uh, yeah. The Nadine starts dating Mike. Pfft, who cares? Who cares? Uh, Jacoby helps Ben with his psychosis. Pfft, who, who cares? cares? Uh, the one thread line because it it just ties in. Hank and Cooper's... Okay, we'll just do this now. Cooper uh, is let go from the FBI. Yes. For what we've been complaining about all of season one and two, and that he's breaking all these federal laws. (laughs) Right, right. And, uh, yeah, he gets... uh, Okay, so before all this starts, let's just say the, the events of these episodes take place three days after the last two episodes we watched. This is the first time we really see a significant time jump. Jump, yes. Cooper is, uh, he's, uh, suspended from the FBI for, obviously, committing all these crimes and... uh, Valid reasons. Valid reasons. Valid reasons. And I was actually kind of happy. This would have been a very interesting journey if it wasn't just, like, God, they just blow on this, too, by having him... He becomes deputized by Harry. Yeah. Yeah, Although th- that would have been more interesting if he hadn't been allowed to come back to the FBI, too. Yeah. And then, so, uh, his superior, I forget what his name is. Uh, Stone? Yeah, he's a, he's a good character actor. He's been in a lot of... Uh, Clarence William III? Yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Uh, him and a Mountie come in. The Mountie kind of looks like that cop Bobby killed. <laughs> he looks like the, the cop Bobby killed. And it's you not, know right away he's a bad cop. Like, they don't even hide it. No, the fact is he's hiding with Jean Renault at One-Eyed Jack. One, if FBI is doing an internal investigation and the ongoings of Cooper taking on, uh, going into One-Eyed Jack's where there's been multiple homicides, you'd think uh, the FBI would be staking that place out and they'd see that Mountie. Right. Right. And but remember though, he's deep cover and you know that's that's the story that he's deep cover trying to get John Renault. You would think they would know this it's just that this was a corrupt mount. It's just terrible. Yeah, well, and, and why is John Renault going back to what I jacks? Then he tries to squeeze use Hank to squeeze Ben out of something he owns, even if it's like a shell company in his like to keep his name off the paper, he'll still own that property. You he right. can turn it to the ground if he wants and ruin Jean Renault's drug. It's really 
<sighs> I know. I know. I know. All right, so Cooper's let go, but we do get a cool, uh, which is the reason you have to watch these episodes because it does. This is when we first start hearing about the lodges. Yes. Uh, Briggs wants to take Cooper on a fishing trip, uh, which I, my guess here, because he brings them, what happens is he go, him and Cooper go on this fishing trip. Uh, I believe they're near Jack Pal- Jackrabbit's Palace. I think they're near, yes, I think they're near Jackrabbit's Palace, which becomes it's a big this, deal in the return. Yeah, Jackrabbit's Palace is the portal into the White Lodge. Yes. Uh, it looks a lot like Glastonbury Grove in that there's, except instead of multiple trees circling a, a, a pit of black oil, it's one tree and it's white oil. That's yes. uh, and so I believe Briggs brings him close to, closer there. Secret history fills in some of these gaps on why he wanted to bring Cooper along, and that uh, we find out Cooper is supposed to be his replacement, or yes. his, his replacement as at this facility. Uh, Cooper goes and takes a piss. <laughs> an owl hoots at <laughs> Briggs, and he vanishes. And we see a hooded figure. I. I think they didn't know what this lodge was supposed to look like because, again, Lynch and Frost have walked away from the Are locked away. Right. <clears throat> yeah, there is an interesting line, you know, in there that I thought was kind of funny. Nothing like urinating in the open air. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is what Cooper says. Um, yeah, this is where Briggs starts to become interesting. And um, the other thing that was going on is uh, at the funeral... Dougie and and Dwayne Milford. Yes, Dougie and Dwayne Milford. And Dougie Milford is huge in secret history. Huge. Which pains me because I have to watch this episode because he's such a pivotal character in it. Fuck you, Mark Frost. God damn it. Right. Right. Yeah, it was. it was, uh, he's, uh, we'll get into that. I don't want to get into it because you really, in this one, he's just more of a arc for something. I don't know. And the bro, this the title is a dispute between brothers. We find out Dwayne wrote, uh, or Dougie wrote an editorial in the town's newspaper against Dwayne when he was running for mayor and he was running on a post. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant yeah so uh when we do a episode on secret history we'll get more into dougie uh he's just pivotal with the uh owl cave ring and project blue book and all that mm-hmm. here he's just some old old guy who marries a much younger woman yep who's a black widow yeah uh Dick Tremaine, Andy, Lucy. I don't. Oh God, I don't care. They did. They did them wrong. They did them wrong. And I don't even. I don't even want to talk about it. This is the dumbest, dumbest fucking thing. We're not going to talk about Nikki. We're not going to talk about Nikki. Um, we're not going to talk about Nikki. No, we're not going to talk about Nikki at all. <laughs> we are not going to talk about Nikki at all. Um, it's, it's just so terrible. Jeff- Jeffries is my avatar with that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, we also Briggs is get back. Briggs is on the search of something called the White Lodge. He drops that every time he drags up the White Lodge, then something happens where he gets distracted, and we don't hear much more about it. It's yep. kind of 
a theme for the next six episodes. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's important stuff. But what we find out though is that Norma's mom is M.T. Wentz, and she gave her a terrible review. <laughs> Cares. Oh my god. So yeah, Norma's mom. Who came in for like two episodes? Norma tells her to get fucked. Okay, she shit. leaves without her husband, Ernie. <laughs> yeah, he does. Ernie's, Ernie's wrapped up with Hank Jennings. Uh, this goes to the whole. So this is the thread. Uh, yeah, this is like they gotta. They gotta. Cat get John Renault. John Renault is uh, doing a drug deal with Hank. Uh, Ernie's dumb. He gets busted. Uh, with surveillance photos, he's used as bait. Uh, there's a standoff between Jean Renault and the cops after he kidnaps. Cooper exchanges himself for two hostages. Cooper shield kills Jean Renault. That's it. Yep. Cooper wants to buy property in Twin Peaks for some reason. Look, the show's that the anchor was who killed Laura Palmer. That's what kept Cooper in town. Yep. And you're trying to find any goddamn reason to keep an FBI man who's stationed, I believe, out of the Philadelphia office. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he is. Small Washington town, and it's bad. It's not good. It's no, 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 it's not but good. Who helps but... Cooper with this whole Kakamimi scheme? Paul, it's Pride Month. We got to talk about Denise Bryce. I am in love with Denise Bryce. Yes. We love Denise. It's, again, this was something you didn't see on TV unless it was, like, a hokey joke. Yep. But, like, Denise comes in as, like, a well-rounded character. And, yeah, there's some, like, you know, like, weird looks or whatever from all these small-town people. Not that unusual if you've been to a small town when if there's a like a transgender person. Uh, but to quote Gordon Cole in the return, fix your hearts or die. Yes. And Denise is played by David Duchovny. And this is basically the role that got him the X-Files role. Yes. And um, the... He plays it with so much care. And the respect that Cooper has for him and the way that he makes everything done, I just think that this is by far one of the best transsexual characters ever on TV. Then to have it on the 90s, is in, in, the 90, in 1991, is insane. And uh, you, like I brought up, there's some like you know weird looks that Denise gets. She gets that all, but except for Cooper, who's just like all about like, yeah, this is awesome. Yep. He's happy that yep. Denise finally found her way to be comfortable. Yeah. I love it. Like Cooper is such. This is like another reason like Cooper's such a good character. That he's just like, yeah, this isn't weird or strange to him, especially in the '90s, early '90s. Like this is 1990. Like. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, Cooper's just like he's he's just happy that D- D- Dennis, who's now Denise, is totally like comfortable in his own skin now. 
Yep, yep, yep. Oh, and the, sorry. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. Cooper's just like, yes, do what you need to do to make yourself happy. And I'm happy you're happy. Yeah. <clears throat> just yeah. phenomenal. And, yeah, and then Denise comes back in the return, which is awesome, as the yes. head of the FBI. Yep. She is Gordon, Gordon Cole's boss. Yep. Uh, yeah, and that's where we get the amazing when uh, we'll talk about when it comes to cold. Basically, like when people were giving Denise shit for coming out, he told them all to fix their hearts or die. Yep, fix he their hearts or die. Yeah, Gold Cole went to bat for Denise, which is a really awesome. Yes, yes, I, I, yeah, I love it. I love it. So that's like the good thing that we get out of this thread. <clears throat> yeah. What else do we got? Um, well, I guess also with, uh, yeah, this thread ends with that. We get Denise, which is good. With the Cooper stuff, uh, with Briggs, uh, in the next episode, Cooper asks Hawk if he's ever heard about the White Lodge. Yes. Hawk is, you know, I don't have it memorized, but he basically, it's, uh, oh, what was it? I don't remember exactly. Uh, he's like the explains the White Lodge, and then the Black Lodge is the shadow of the White Lodge, and you have to pass through the Black Lodge, confront your shadow self. You have to meet and pass your shadow self, and you have to go with complete good intentions and no fear to come out into the White Lodge. Yes, yes. So he also has the Dweller on the Threshold line with that. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yes, he does. Um, <clears throat> which is really cool. But again, shit, we could have known last season, Hawk. Yeah. Well, nobody <laughs> asked. And it's, it's weird that the it's actually kind of odd that the, the lodges are brought up in the post Lynch Frost stuff, which means, again, this is like one of the, the ideas they're playing with, with the black and white lodge. Uh, even if there's naysayers saying like black lodge stuff with Lynch. It's what he called the Red Room in the Fire Walk With Me script, so it's mm. it, that's the Black Lodge. And we see a really hokey version of the White Lodge. In, uh, in that, let's just follow this thread. So Garland Briggs disappears. Yeah. Uh, he reappears in his house at, with uh, Mrs. Briggs and Bobby are talking. Bobby brings up the conversation he had with Garland where Garland made him cry because he was talking about a happy future. Yes. And uh, he shows he shows up looking like a World War II pilot for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand that. <laughs> yeah, this is, again, this is the show. The show writers, uh, confusing, quirky, and they just go full quirk. And it's not good. It, 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 it's 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 just... such a fine line between quirk and dark and all that. Uh, and they just they fucked it up. Yeah. So Garland reappears, and he goes. Uh, uh, he talks with uh, Cooper and Harry about some of the Project Blue Book stuff he is, he's working on, which is linked to our buddy Dougie Milford. Mm-hmm. That is, you know, I believe Secret History, uh, Major Briggs is well aware of Dougie's position. And all A- absolutely. A- he has to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, this 
and Gordon Cole is well aware of Briggs. Uh, we don't know that in the show. Uh, he is uh, he is Briggs's contact for Project Blue Book. Correct. Uh, Briggs is about to talk about the White Lodge, and some uh, Air Force people come and take him. And then he comes back and saying, he comes back in a huff, uh, very disheveled, runs out of breath after he's done with his superiors. He's very concerned about the government's intentions with the White Lodge. Yes. And this is the stuff I lo- I'm interested in talking about here. This is where we're going to, yeah, this is where we're shining now. This is the stuff I like. It's too bad it's just in these throw what seems like throwaway scenes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because this whole this whole sixth episode is more concerned about James and oh. flying off that cliff and never be seen again. But we keep seeing like flashbacks of him singing that song. Because I I don't there's no story with him. There's no story it's kind of with weird. him. It's kind of weird that they didn't have some long, boring convoluted femme fatale story for him but they Where he's working on a car that. that would have been good if he was working <laughs> on a car yeah i mean but you know they decided against that which is an odd, odd choice you know do what you gotta do for you guys <laughs> <laughs> obviously you're being facetious people we're being snarky i'm not <laughs> okay <laughs> yes so like uh yeah so we find out uh, the P- the government aid the government has uh, nefarious plans to finding this white lodge which is in secret history is obviously a concern between Project Blue Book which evolves into Blue Rose uh, task force that was started by Philip Jeffries and Gordon Cole uh, they recruit Albert Albert <laughs> Albert. Uh, Wyndham Earl, Dale Cooper, and Chester Desmond. Yes, and to run it was Philip Jeffries. Jeffries was Gordon. he spearheaded this. He spearheaded it under under the watch of Gordon Cole. Yeah, which comes out of uh, I believe it's been a while since I read the, this part, of, but from the Nixon administration. Correct. Nixon got paranoid because he's wearing the ring. Nixon during had his downfall. The ring. <laughs> yep, yep, he had the ring during his downfall, correct. Yeah, so this is the interesting, this is, to me, the meat and potatoes, and unfortunately it's like ordering a ordering a sandwich and you get, like, just a corner of a giant sourdough sandwich and only, like, one little corner has some meat in it, and the rest is just bread and cheese <laughs> And, and some mayonnaise. I was, was going to say, not even mayonnaise. It's more like expired mayonnaise. Yeah. It's Garmin Bosia. Oh, <laughs> this is my pain corn. and suffering. <laughs> <laughs> this is our Garmin Bosia, everybody. <laughs> yeah, these episodes are our guards and Bosia. Holy shit. Um, yeah, so that's the interesting stuff. And again, it's so little of it. Yeah, we don't get a lot of it, which is... It's really, it's dispiriting. Uh, But we do get to see a little bit, and this is the weird thing, because obviously without Lynch and Frost, they didn't know what represent the the White Lodge. So Briggs describes it, and he's just like in a weird garden area, which kind of looks like 
uh, kind of similar to Jackrabbit's Palace area in yeah. Return, which I picked up, but it's all like everything's super saturated because they're trying to do stylized 90s nonsense. <laughs> but yeah, he walks out with three triangles scarred on behind his ear, which we find out uh, Margaret Lanterman also mm-hmm. has a similar scar, and so does uh, poor Carl at Fat Trout Trailer poor, Park. Yes, and Dougie Milford. And Dougie Milford, yeah. Yep. You go, these, and they all have a similar experience. They go in the woods. They vanish. They have no memory. Briggs kind of remembers what happens, but it's more like he's describing the essence of what happens. He, yes, he's just disheveled as fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so... So that's basically the end of the cool stuff. Now let's uh, <laughs> let's theorize now on the somewhat cool thing. So what? That was one element they were branching off, I believe, Lynch and Frost. The other element they brought up early on in season two, and that is the device of Wyndham Earl. Oh. Now I didn't mind Wyndham Earl until we started watching this for the the podcast. Like I, I whatever he was just kind of like what. But the more I know about the behind the scenes stuff and how they are just, they had no idea how to, they had no idea what they're doing. And that's and, the problem. We got so much, it was all filler. And what we just described as like the major Briggs arc is like not even 10 minutes of airtime. Yeah. It's. <sighs> and these are 45 minute episodes and like. I know. We don't even get 10 minutes of the White Lodge stuff so far. Uh, they're very, they, and toward the end of the, these six episodes, they start kind of amping up Wyndham Earl. And it starts promising with... Uh, the chess moves. Chess and... moves. And the papers. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the, I believe it's in the last episode of this run, uh, we get Albert back, and he describes that Wyndham Earl has been also mailing... Uh, Clothing of his ex-wife. Yes. Different police departments. And so what happened was Cooper was Wyndham Earl's partner. Uh, Wyndham Earl was superior to him in intellect. Yes. Where Cooper was more of the intuitive guy. He could, you know, he gets these visions and all that. He has the dreams, which we kind of brought. We discussed ad nauseum in Fire Walk With Me. Yes. Remember, those, remember that? How much fun that was? That was I was that was so much fun. Can we talk about Fire Walk with me? <laughs> Can we go back to the Fire Walk with me episode? Um, <clears throat> yes. So it turns out Wyndham Earl was committing these crimes. Uh, his wife was in wit in protection of the FBI. Cooper falls in love with his wife. Uh, Wyndham Earl catches them, and he kills her. Yes. Uh, again, these are like this is like setting up for a very good villain. It's setting up for a very good villain, and it's executed like a '60s Batman villain. It, it, I, I told you it was bad, dude. It was bad. It's, I didn't mind it before, just because like when I'm watching this casually and I'm not really like taking notes. Because people, I took, I didn't even really take that many notes during this run. I'm not gonna lie, the first two episodes. I watched after I got back from my vacation and I just drank beer and got mad. And that's the only time I've drank and watched any of these episodes. Oh, it's, it's no, Wyndham Earl is handled so piss poorly. Cause they that... made it out to be so nefarious in the first, uh, I believe it was in like 
the double two two punch Lynch directed episode yes. of the season. I don't. I think they were. I don't know if the writers were afraid to go dark again. Like I, I think there was some interference from the reveal and how dark that was, like the death of Maddie. That yeah. They could like they were just like the the. I think they had more eyes on them. And like you guys can't do this shit, and they didn't have Lynch there to kind of you know push back and go. We're gonna fucking do what I want to do because I'm David fucking Lynch. You don't have Mark Frost actually writing interesting character development of Wyndham Merle. Like, we get, like, I think we got the cliff notes of Wyndham Merle. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we get, yes. like, yeah, he's a bad guy. He was Cooper's partner. This is what happened. And their plan is he's on his way to Twin Peaks. And we knew that from the beginning of the, the season. Well, now he is in Twin Peaks. And he kills, kills a Man, and it starts again. It starts off so promising. Uh, there's a electrical electricity's taken out of the sheriff station. The diversion's created so he can plant a body in the sheriff station with the chest piece and all that. Kind of hokey today, but it's still it's not bad. This part was not bad to me. the The Ted Raimi thing is <laughs> that'll be in the next couple episodes. Yeah, the Ted Raimi thing where it really goes off the rails. But like, yeah, here he's he kills a drifter to announce his next move. And it's it's kind of it's creepy and I think this worked and it was it could have been darker but like you said and I imagine they're getting pushed back from after what after Lynch traumatized a generation. Very much so. Very uh, much so. Yeah. But yeah. then when we finally meet him yeah, we met, I mentioned because we skipped over. Yeah, nobody. I don't care about any of this. Almost minus Briggs Cooper, and I guess now Wyndham Earl. Wow. Oh, fuck. Leo wakes up. I don't oh. know how. God damn it! We're okay. Let's. Yeah. Uh, Shelly stabs him in the leg. Like this guy. Uh, he runs off in the woods. Whoop. Uh, he runs, comes across a cabin, and there's a mysterious man in it, and he says, "My name is Wyndham. Come in." Yep. And in the next episode, he's Caesar Romero, Joker, and it's like, whoa! This guy was kind of menacing the last episode, and now he's just like, he's he's stroking a flute made out of bamboo. Like. Okay, and this is where I get the the Frankenstein reference, right? Because the whole kind of scene to me, if you remember, I, it was it um, was it Frankenstein or was it the Return of Frankenstein? One of the movies, and um, where Frankenstein <clears throat> runs out into the woods after getting out of the castle and comes across the old blind man in the woods, who plays the flute and takes him in and starts kind of teaching him how to like become a person. And takes kind of pity on Frankenstein. He's the only person that ever truly cared about Frankenstein. Wait, wasn't this Halloween 5? Uh, possibly. Where the homeless guy takes him in after Michael Myers goes down into the sewers. Uh, well, again, there's, there, there's, there, there's, there's combinations thereof. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a thing that's been used a lot. But yes, all right? So, so it's the Halloween 5. Yes, yeah, so, so Halloween 5, essentially. But no, I mean, it... There was things there that were like I, that 
why I said, you know, this would have been really cool because basically you got this muted, dumb Leo. And, you know, it would have been interesting to see him actually, like, Wyndham put this malice and this menace and make Leo menacing again. And what do we get? Nothing. Nothing. No, makes him write letters. Yeah, makes him write letters. Oh, okay. That's, yes, that's menacing. Yeah, it's... Part of me kind of likes that now Leo's on the receiving end of an abusive relationship. Correct. But they could have done it so much better. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so problematic for me, uh, just because it's it's uh, it's so stupid. Like, again, Wyndham Earl, one episode, he, he comes out of the shadows, seems like a dark, nefarious figure. And uh, we'll see that again in the series. This is basically the series finale, season two's finale. Uh, Lynch brings that in. He does. So, he, like, Wyndham Earl's back to being more of a nefarious, evil character, which I imagine was what him and Frost planned him for, to be, and they probably saw what the hell was going on. And they're like, yeah, we gotta get back. We gotta right this ship. Yeah. Yeah. Abs-fucking-lutely. Because this is not... It, it was it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah Wyndham Earl was, was very, 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 very wasted. I think... Had they written Wyndham Earl right from the start, um, when Lynch and Frost left, um, this season would have been better because this is what it needed. But without Wyndham Earl, really, and like you, you brought up, you nailed my analogy for Wyndham Earl that I've always had for years, which is he's Cesar Romero. Uh, he is a '60s villain. Batman villain and it's not menacing it's not scary it doesn't work and it made all it really did to me was made Cooper look ineffective yeah because this is supposed to be his big foil yes and if this big foil is basically Jim Carrey in the master of disguise uh, <laughs> we have problems now you mean Dana Carvey master yeah. of disguise yeah Dana Carvey yeah, I'm so mad. Uh, I'm so mad. Uh, and a quick aside, because uh, we we didn't bring up. Uh, so Catherine reveals to Pete that uh, Thomas, Tom, Tom. Well, there's Tom Eckert, and then there's Andrew Packard. Andrew Packard. Andrew Packard's alive. Yes. Uh, we find out that Andrew Packard had faked his death, moved to California, and started the Silver Shamrock Mask Company. Uh, after his stone Stonehenge plan to create these masks to kill all the children foiled, he went back to Twin Peaks. <laughs> Do you not agree, Paul? Um, boy. I think my head cannon's better than the actual cannon. <laughs> I think your head cannon's better than the actual cannon. It would have been amazing had they had they had those two put in there together. Um. But yeah, no, it's yeah. Somehow, some way, Andrew Packard lived, and now they also kind of bring in this this uh, Eckert guy, um, who's supposed to be another big bad, who's just worthless, which yeah. sucks because he's played by a great actor. Yeah, and his assistant is Sue and Mishki, the brawless wonder from Seinfeld. Yes, yes, and it is. It just doesn't like. The problem with these episodes are they didn't 
go like you watch this block like like Joe and I watch this block, you guys. It's it very easy to see why the show was canceled. Yeah, they. Sh- I would have. I was wishing it was getting canceled as I was watching it. Yeah, it just, <laughs> just goes. Put it up. It's, it's like that's that clip from The Simpsons. Like, stop, stop. He's already dead. Yeah. Now, Joe's not going to talk about James, so I will, because he's going to throw this fucking hate storm on me. Not going to talk about James. In fact, we're not going to talk about James at all. Oh, right. I will talk about James, because I need to let this out. This is the worst fucking story arc in the history of television and I'm talking this makes Oliver from the Brady Bunch look like it was fucking good all right um it all this served was to get James away the actor away from Laura Flynn Boyle and all this did was to because on the on the other side you had Cooper that wasn't allowed to be around Sherilyn Flynn all right, this is essentially what fucking happened. And so James thinks that it's their fault that Laura's dead and Maddie's dead. So he leaves and goes to Portland, Oregon, where nothing else from the show is going on. And he meets a woman named Evelyn Marsh who wants him to repair her husband's Jaguar. This is from another movie. I mean, this is straight up like copyright infringement from another fucking movie. Um, and basically double indemnity, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's double indemnity. And he, it's the worst thing. Um, in, mm, um, and it basically it didn't serve anything because when he comes back, he you know, Jane, you know Donna forgives him for everything, and asks him to come back home and be with him, and he's like, no, I'm not feeling right, and leaves, and that's basically it. Like, James is gone from the show. Um, yep. Yep. That's it. I'm sorry, I blacked out there. Yeah. I <laughs> no, mean, it's, it's, it's bad. And remember the, the, remember the days when our nitpicks were about Hank Jennings sucking on a domino? Right. And making phone calls that just seemed unrealistic. And now here we are with this whole James bullshit. It, it's and it eats up a lot of time. Yeah, there's a it's a lot of real estate. Uh, basically, a, the real estate of the show. It's a 45 minute long show, and some of these James store scenes take up at least it feels like 20 minutes of a yeah. minute show, which is like so he's getting half the airtime. He's getting so half the airtime. Nothing time. to do with what's going on in the rest of the show. No, it's just this. It, it, I mean. If there had been some kind of thread that was going to lead to something, like Bob's inhabiting one of the fucking people, okay, I can be on board with that. But 
it doesn't go anywhere. No, it uh, eventually, uh, you know, Evelyn uh, cops to the murder or whatever. Fuck it. Her and her real, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Cares. God damn it, we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I brought it up because I just wanted to get it out of the way. Yeah, what else happens? A, um, I think that's, I mean, that's it may seem like we glossed over it. And it's, we did, I think. I mean, the little Nikki thing is like the most, the worst. I'm not talking. It's like a, there's a scene where she, and Andy and Tremaine think this kid killed his parents when he was six. This is how stupid this show gets. And this is from somebody who loves Twin Peaks, but it's stuff like this that t- tells me to say fuck Twin Peaks to an extent. There's like a bubble of little Nikki wearing devil horns and fire. <laughs> and I swear, I just wanted to throw up just bust my TV and just fucking <laughs> call it a, like we're done. This blo- this podcast is over. <laughs> I can't take it. I'm sorry. Were you talking? I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, I, I hate, I think I hate the Mickey thing more than I hate the James thing. Yeah. I, I just as bad. It doesn't help that Dick remains more obnoxious than Evelyn Hart. <sighs> I mean, the actress yeah, yeah. Evelyn Marsh is like pretty benign, uh, but uh, Dick Tremaine, man, like I'm sure that uh, the actor who plays him is a nice guy, but Jesus Christ, man, he is fucking grating. I mean, and, and you know what? He, he if, if if he played him right, I mean, you hate him, get right or wrong, you played the character right. It would have been fine for one episode, but now yeah. he's getting a lot of real estate on these episodes, and what's being buried. Is the stuff we want to see? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the it's the window It's the mystery. It's the White Lodge. It's the Black Lodge. It's where is Bob this entire fucking time? Bob escaped, and we don't have anything on Bob. No, we don't. We get uh, some glimpses of the owl, which I assume is him leading uh, Wyndham Earl. So he, you know, my my, you know, we've talked this like. He leads Wyndham Earl to Twin Peaks as this is his plan to take over Cooper. He never I don't think Bob had ever any intention of using Wyndham Earl as his avatar. This guy's escaped from a loony bin. He's he's just gonna get put back in. See, now again, I think they I think they would have done themselves well if he had, because now you have the two main bads in one person. And everything's leading to Wyndham Earl and Bob. Like I think that should have happened. Like that's my yeah. My thought on it. It'd be nice, but with this writing, I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> this writing was so shit. Like, god damn, this is bad. This is... I knew it was going to be bad. And I went in with purposely low expectations. You uh-huh. know, that's how I go into things that I think are going to be bad. I get my expectations low, so if they're not as bad, at least it's a little... Little op- no, this is bad. This was like I was in a foul mood all day as I was watching this. Yeah, dude, I've been all day. Been watching these things, going son of a bitch. God damn it! So, so you had <laughs> mentioned in order to get away from this because we really glossed over. I mean, we really went into everything that happened in these episodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we glossed over, but we didn't. It's amazing we went over six episodes and didn't leave anything out. No, we didn't. 
They didn't leave a that, damn. That's the, that's the sad thing that this was all fluff. This was a six episode stretch where we got maybe ten minutes worth of our time. Mm-hmm. So, what do you want to bring up? Because you had mentioned this at the beginning of this thing before you yeah, and I started recording. Let's break you had this up, idea. Paul. Let's break this up a bit. Uh, yeah. Let's, a little more, let's get away from the Joe down a bit. Because <laughs> I and let's get into a little more of the cast of that movie. Fair enough, sir. I like that let's, idea. Let's, and you guys do games where you kind of do your top whatever? Yes. Ah. How about this? Let's do our top three Lynch projects. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. All right. You start, sir. What is your what is your what is your no, number, number one three? is the very one. So let's start at three. Yep. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. What is yep. your third favorite Lynch project? I'm going to say Wild at Heart. Ooh, okay. And I'll say, I'll tell you what, I, I, Lynch here, I think this was a, this was such a strange movie out of his, because there's not, he doesn't really go back, it's, it's very pulpy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of got like a, a lot of like early 90s pulp fiction vibe, but even though it came out before pulp fiction. Okay. It's got, got very, uh, warm tones in the the filming uh it doesn't get into the surreal which is another weird thing with lunch except for the ending mm-hmm. but what really sells it to me is like this is like one. it's one of those performances i think laura dern did an amazing performance she's awesome and she did great in this and nicholas cage this is one of the few times i sincerely thought he did a pretty solid job As i think a- it's his best role Yes. Um, next to Raising Arizona. Yeah, like he does goofy and I, I wish he would have, I'm sure since Cage is like such a monster to work with, I'm sure Lynch never wanted to work with him again. Absolutely. I never heard any behind the scenes friction, but um, I'm, I'm going to guess there's a big reason why he wasn't yeah, brought cause, back. Because Lynch typically works with people he likes a lot. So uh-huh. you see people who are not in his movies after like one shot or whatever, it, there's a reason. So okay. yeah, Wild at Heart. And there is like some weird, like Willem Dafoe's teeth. Yes. And uh, the fact that he went to a dentist and got dentures to look like that and Lynch didn't know he was doing it. And he just showed up to set <laughs> filming it, and he had those in his mouth and Lynch was like, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I love Lynch. Um, <clears throat> only three, huh? Yeah, only three. This is I'm tough. Do five, but I wanted to put you on the hot spot. Yeah, this is really tough. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna go out there, and I'm going to say um, my. For a David Lynch project, my favorite um, is, or my my third favorite is probably the Dark Knight of the Soul project. The music, project. the the music and the art project, because there's a book that goes with it as well. Um, which was the music project with um, Danger Mouse and Sparkle Horse, and there was. So much that went on behind the scenes of this thing, of trying to get this released. Um, this was done um, 
a while before it came out. And which is typical for Lynch music projects. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, the problem with this one was that um, so it was a legal dispute with E with EMI, and that there was talk that the album was never going to be released, but they released the art book and bundled it with Blake CDRs, and for they said. Uh, all the copies were said for legal reasons and closed CDR contained no music. Use as you will. Because they had leaked a portion of the album out. Um, but the problem was you had all these different artists. You had Danger Mouse, you had Sparkle Horse, you had The Flaming Lips, Rough Rise, Jason Lytle, Julian Casablancas, um, Black Francis, also known as Frank Black from... The Pixies, Iggy Pop, James Mercer. Um, you, you had all of these parties that were involved. The, the, the lead singer, the Cardigans, uh, Nina Pearson. Suzanne Vega sings a song on the damn thing. Um, so there was all these problems with it. And Sparkle Horse killed himself. And... Um, Basically, that's what they believe got the album released was Mark Linkus committing suicide is what got. And also Vic Chestnut committed suicide after this album. Uh, These were the last two albums they ever worked on. Um, But it is it is so brilliant and brilliantly done. And David Lynch um, does two does my favorite song on the album. And that's why I said, you know, when you hear the Red Room or the Pink Room music, you hear that was written by Lynch. And I just think that this to me was was just a, there, there's a lot of seepingness to this album. So that's that's my take on it. Nice. That's my number three. Yeah. His music projects also historically take a long time. Uh, he produced Krista Bell, Bell's, I yes. think, her first album. And it mm-hmm. took, took like over a decade. And to be and who is Christabel, by the way, so people know she plays uh, Tammy Preston in The Return. She's yes. a very, uh, very talented singer, songwriter. Uh, Lynch kept telling her, "You got to be patient for something good to happen." Because he ended. If you read uh, Room to Dream, he he kind of like he's on so he's with so many projects that it kind of takes a back burner mm-hmm. some of the times because he gets distracted by other things. All it's, right. Yeah, but yeah, he's just notorious for <laughs> yes the projects that he's gonna do them, then he doesn't he puts it off or whatever. So, what is your number two, sir? All right, I know a lot of Lynch fans. They're gonna say, number two for me is uh, Eraserhead. Okay, a lot of Lynch fans would say put it number one, but it's not number one for me. In that, uh, I love it. It's just not something I I want to watch all the time, but I mm-hmm. really love it when I do watch it. Yes. It, uh, it laid the groundwork for a lot of things we see, uh, even in certain elements with, uh, even as more, as more direct stuff has elements of Eraserhead in it, like such as uh, Elephant Man, mm-hmm. Blue Velvet, uh, mm-hmm. Wild at Heart. Uh, it's, it's, it's disturbing, 
and yes. it's hilarious. And I I still don't really know what to think of it. Mm. And that's the best part. It's one of those movies where you're not supposed to think it. You're you're supposed to take it in like a painting. Yes. And you're supposed to let your emotions react to what you're seeing rather than intellectually try to digest it. And that's why I love it. It's yes. it's like it's an hour and a half long painting. It, it really is. It, it is art for art. And I it's not I don't think it's as weird as people think it is. I think it's actually artistic. Um, I absolutely love Eraserhead. It was a fun was, in fun fact. It was Charles Bukowski's favorite movie. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's nuts. But I love, uh, love it. Uh, Radiator Girl. Uh, the the ending. <laughs> just everything it just it, it puts you like uh, just emotions it just put puts you through the ringer it's great so i'm gonna get shit for my number two and you're gonna you're gonna you, i'm gonna get so much shit but it really is it's i love it ladies dune. and gentlemen paul's picking season two of twin peaks <laughs> i'm i'm picking dune dune wow dune I love it. Um, now, there I know there's the Lynch version out there, but there is like a, just like there's with the missing pieces, there is um, a version out there which is like four hours long. We should also has, say there's a four or five hour version long of just about every Lynch movie because he shows them, he screens you who had used to screen these. So mm-hmm. five hour version of Eraserhead. Yep. About four or five hour version of Dune. Yep. Four or five hour version of Blue Velvet, but he'll never do a director's cut because the version you see that's put out is his cut. Yes. That said, I've seen the four or five hour version of Dune. I think it's four and a half hours. And it, I am a, I am a Dune nerd. And Dune was the thing we we're going to get. And I still think there's a lot of David Lynch in it. And uh, in terms of the framing, in terms of the shooting, also, when you look at, like, there's such an enormous cast in that movie that you see a lot of everyone that's ever worked with Lynch is in Dune as well. Maybe except Laura Dern. Um, I absolutely love it. And uh, it's just, it's to me, it's super Lynchian in the regards of just the characters, the atmosphere, the 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 things that he added to it that that weren't in the that weren't in the books didn't bother me because it was Lynch's interpretation of it. I actually enjoy it. As a movie, I can watch over and over and over. It's definitely interesting. Uh, just Sting being in, I don't think I can ever forgive Lynch for that. I I don't like Sting. Fair I don't enough. Like anything about Sting. <laughs> Fair enough. Him and James can ride a motorcycle off a cliff for all I care. But yeah, no, it's an interesting movie. Uh, I've read the books. I read up to, I think it was God Emperor, where uh, the the sun start becomes a giant worm. Yes, and that's where I was just like, this is a bit much for me, and I just kind of stopped reading. <laughs> and that's essentially, I think, was the last Frank Herbert book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like it was. I think he was not well when he wrote it. Mm-hmm. He was older. Uh, it was just like big ideas, and so big ideas, and you're not exactly 
feeling well, it kind of suffers. Yes. It's yes. not boring uh, by any means, but it's just, it just, it, it's so long and it's, it's kind of, it gets exhausting after. It's a, it's a very exhausting book, but it, it does kind of, I felt in a way, finalize a lot of things. So it's not a bad place to stop. So with that, then what is your number one? My number one is The Return. Mm-hmm. The 18 hour long Twin Peaks movie. Obviously, with Twin Peaks being this podcast, what got me into Lynch. But I did want to use, I thought, uh, as much as I like the first season, I love the first season. And I'll say I, I enjoy it as a popcorn viewer more than The Return. But The Return, from an analytical and artistic and whatever point of view, I am still just floored by it. <laughs> it is like, it's a culmination of all his work spread out over 18 hours yeah um i'm going to agree with you on that um it is by far the most lynchian thing he has ever done um you as you said you can see all of his work in it you see elements of dune you see elements of eraserhead wild at heart lost highway mulholland drive even Ellen is a straight story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I have to give it to it. Like that's, I yeah, don't, it's, it's a, a swan story. song, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked, I don't think he'll do twin peaks again. No. Uh, doing the return almost killed him. He got sick quite often because it's just long and grueling and he's not a spry chicken anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, spring chicken. Uh, it, but it's it's a it, and on top of that it was ballsy and it gave the finger to fan service which is like such a kind of a punk rock thing to do absolutely and the fan service you get is totally earned and you you take it in to like Dougie getting the cherry pie uh, you get the little glimpses of what's going on in Twin P- I, I love it it's to me it was just the best thing he's done. In my mm-hmm. house. It was just great. Yeah, but we'll I, get into more detail of that in the next month or so. Yeah, it is. It's by far his greatest work. Um, it's it's his greatest body of work in my mind. Now, I know people are going to say, "What about Eraserhead? What about Blue Velvet?" You know, yes, I'm only allowed to pick three. I do love <laughs> Blue Velvet. I do love Eraserhead. I love Elephant Man. I like Lost Highway. Um, I like Mulholland Drive. I like Inland Empire. But Full disclosure, I still have not seen Inland Empire. I you haven't. Okay, you should. You should. It's it's kind of hard to get. I just see like Japanese imports and like Amazon and stuff. So Yeah, it's not the easiest thing. I think I watched it online is how I got it. Um, but I don't own it. Oops. But um (laughs) it was um because it is, it's incredibly hard to get your hands on. And it, but it is a, it's an investment. Inland Empire is an investment, especially if you watch like the super long version of it. Um, that's the other, and, I don't know what version, like, because he's one of those guys, like, this is my cut. I can't find what is considered his cut because it's such a weird thing to try to get your hands on. Yeah, it's not the easiest thing to get your hands on. It's really, really, really not. I, I've only seen, like, the I think it was the five-hour um, 
Inland Empire. Um, somewhere along there. It was, like, really fucking long. <laughs> and I watched it, like, shortly after it um, was, 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 was released on, on, on DVD or was, was, was put out. So, but, I mean, I, I'm not taking away from any of those bodies of work. But it's just one of those things where what we got with the return, I mean, I am not someone that will sit by and watch something weekly. I am not. I will wait for something to be done and binge it. And I ordered, you know this, I ordered um, the the return. And we both did. We, we both, both did. For this. Yeah. Yep. And said that, and I watched it religiously every week and was just every single week, I was enthralled in what was going on with it. And again, he does something that I wish more directors would do and more cinematographers would do, which is he, the beats, and we'll get in this a lot in the return because he does it a lot. In order to create an uneasiness, he does something very simple. He just stays on a scene a little bit longer than you expect. And it does something to you. It makes you uneasy. You go, what the fuck is happening? Oh, yeah. And, and it's, it, it's just, yeah, the return is by far, like, yeah, I, I've been everyone uh, that's 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 uh, I tell everyone you need to see the return. You need to see the return. Yeah, and here's the thing: we because this is kind of like what spearheaded this podcast was. We watched this and we would talk to each other on Facebook immediately yeah. after the episode aired. Like each episode, we were just like, "Holy shit, you see that or whatever," and uh, and it's one of those things. It's like yeah, and you you appreciate it, and it's it's not always a fun watch. It's not always an easy watch, but it, no. it's captivating in a sense. It's just like, man, the balls David Lynch and Mark Frost had to say, we're going to bring back Twin Peaks and we're going to do it like this. <laughs> yeah. Imagine like the head of Showtime first reading that script or starting to see like, like the first episodes or whatever. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah what what are you doing i'm gonna be fired for this <laughs> yeah oh it, it was it was ballsy and yet it got him a standing ovation yep it was uh got a standing ovation at Cannes. they filmed it at Cannes film festival yep the last time he was at Cannes, he yep. got booed he for got fire booed. walk with me fire walk i mean he got a a standing ovation for this one so yeah, and he deserved every minute of it because yeah, there was a lot of people that were very angry that they didn't get their their damn fine coffee and their um, Audrey Horn. Yeah, that's not what it was about, and we'll get into that. No, it was it. It flipped the script and the fan service. You had to earn it, and I we'll get to it. But the episode I think it was episode sixteen. We finally get the glimpse of Cooper back, and I texted you was like. That was totally worth the journey to get that, to earn that fan service. And we'll talk yeah. about it when we get to that episode. But it was like, holy shit, that was earned. Like, that, you felt like you ran a marathon. Yeah. Yeah, and it made it that much more fulfilling and rewarding when you got it. Yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Woo! Wow. Yeah. I think, this, I think this might be our shortest podcast yet, Joe. And we did six episodes. We did six episodes. But again, there's. I, it's just, I got to go back not, to, we didn't to leave anything dive. out. There's nothing to deep dive on here. We could, you know, because we'll be getting... A lot of the stuff we deep dived with the lodges, and we did that with the Fire Walk With Me podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Briggs stuff we'll get into when we start talking about secret history. Yep. Again, we only got 10 minutes and over six episodes of Briggs and that the White Lodge. Uh, Wyndham Merle, I wish, was it was just executed a lot better. Uh, Kenneth Welsh is a great actor. Great actor. A stage actor. Yeah, great actor. Um, and well regarded, it just he didn't have the direction. No, he didn't have the writing. Is, is what it was. He didn't have the writing. Writing or the direction. A good director and a good writer. <clears throat> like I don't know, ballpark of a good combo like that for Twin Peaks would be David Lynch and Mark Frost. <laughs> <laughs> they had it and they just but yeah i mean there's just there's not a lot to to go into oh oh uh, uh, jacoby's back but we already talked about that so who cares Um, and they bring him back for ben horn's civil war and i I, like his descent just made zero sense to me like i get the trauma of like almost going to prison He's got the trauma of losing the mill and the ghostwood to Catherine. Yep. Where does the Civil War fucking fit in this? He's in the north. Washington State is about as far north as you can get. I, I, I don't. And this is where it goes. I think as the writers like this is this would be quirky and funny, and somebody should have just smacked the shit out of him and, and said, said, "No, what the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. No, I completely agree. I it was just awful. Again, James and Mart and Evelyn were. It didn't matter. Nothing there mattered. It didn't go anywhere, and it wasn't uh, enjoyable. Other and that didn't go anywhere. Uh, we did get a brief cameo from David Lynch. Yes, where he's uh, calls Cooper. Yep, yep. He calls Cooper to tell him that that Dennis is coming. Yeah, and it's uh, it's literally phoned in. <laughs> yes. Oh, it, I even question at first. I was like, God, that doesn't even sound like... Like, Lynch isn't even trying. He doesn't care. It's very phoned in. I thought it was, like, maybe an actor playing Gordon at first because... That's what I thought, too. doesn't sound like him, but it's credited as David Lynch, so... Yep. Yeah, it didn't sound like him because he just doesn't care. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, I mean, other than that, there. this is, like, the worst six we could have done. Yeah, and I'm glad this is the band-aid ripped off. It it picks up a bit after Yeah, it does. After this, not much. I think the last episode of the next six, which is uh Miss Twin Peaks. Yeah. Is when things kinda because it was around the I think it's uh twenty seven, twenty eight, uh Path to Black Lodge and Miss Twin Peaks is when they Well, Mark Frost comes back for variations on relations. Yes. So 26 is when there's, this is when Lynch and Frost come back to try to write the ship. Yes. So the yes. last three episodes of that, at least will be somewhat a little bit more entertaining. This was bad to everybody. Like, again, I, we love Twin Peaks, but this is, you could skip these episodes and be completely fine. 
and just watch the the Briggs. There should be a super cut. Yes. <laughs> just the Garland Briggs scenes. Yeah. And the Cooper Wyndham Earl stuff. And just cut everything out and you would not lose anything. You wouldn't lose anything. And especially when you get to the return, none of this mattered. No, none of it. And I think that's part of the brilliancy of, of, of the return is that it doesn't even, Hey, this shit, all that shit happened 25 years ago. It doesn't mean a dick now. Yeah. Lish does bring back weird elements of the, some from this stretch of like this stretch and the next stretch is almost like Easter eggs. And this, you know, like uh, with uh, Briggs being the big, uh, you know, link to a lot of this, but I think that was probably just in their plans anyway. Uh, Mr. C does have Wyndham Earl's suitcase, which I love. His suitcase telephone computer thing. But we can talk yes. about when we get to the return. Yes, 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 yes. We can talk about that when we get to the return. So, Joe, what do we have going on, buddy? What's what's happening? Well, this week, for the Joe Down, me and Joe Brown are doing Pretty in Pink. That should be out uh, either uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Ooh. And to follow that up is the the most American movie I can think of is Invasion USA with Chuck Norris. <laughs> the movie where he drives a, a Ford truck through into a mall and shoots up a bunch of Russian terrorists. Yes, sir. Ooh. Ooh, you are. Yeah. Wow, you're getting into it there, aren't you? Masochists. Yeah. Kinda. Uh, What's uh what's coming up with you, Paul? So we will be dropping um the next cast that movie, which is going to be Street Fighter the movie. Oh boy. <laughs> Hold on to oh. your hats, everybody. That's yeah. a story. <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah, I had 14 pages of notes for that one. I glossed over a lot of it, so um, you know, that's something we could dig into another time as well. And um then it's the uh the the Dream Project is the Macho Man story. Ooh, the life and time of Macho Man Randy Savage. He was a complicated fella. Yes, and I, you know, I gloss over a lot because of it. And, you know, there could be more that could have been said on that one. I will say that. But I think um, I think the castings were, you know, are where it's at for those ones. Um, uh, you will be joining me for the following cast that movie yes that is right uh or jode he has uh other engagements so i'm gonna be pinch hitting for him uh trying to be the straight man which you know trying to keep the conversation floored but as anybody listening to the fire walk with me podcast knows that we're just gonna go on tangents we are gonna go on tangents um but we have a new project that we've decided on didn't we joe yes why don't you tell them about that? So the reason why Joe is and, and is going to be sitting out the next cast that movie, and Joe will be sitting in, is because Joe's going to start putting together a podcast about The Office, which is going to have myself, Joe, and Joe. It will be the three of us. Um, and the idea behind it is is that we'll watch one episode. I am a novice. To the uh, to the office, so my take on it's going to, which is going to be very different from cast that movie and this podcast, which is 
I have no insights. <laughs> <laughs> I am watching 99.5% of these uh, episodes for the very first time. Um, so I'll be kind of giving my reaction to it as Joe and Jode kind of go into their love of The Office. Yes, I love The Office. Uh, we'll talk up. We'll get into it, but it, it's 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 a well. Anybody who's ever worked in an office or seen office space, and that's it's it's one of those shows that just rings a just hits home a lot of the time. But we'll get into that when we talk. Talk. About yes. And I think that is why I avoided the show, to be honest with you, because uh, almost all of my jobs were office jobs. So it's kind of like how I can't imagine that doctors watch ER because they just want to get away from it. <laughs> yeah. I typically don't watch movies about journalism because that's just the, the world I'm in. I just I can't. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I think for me, having having like always being in an office was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> Would you ever think of office space? Did I hit it a little too on the nose? I know I did for me working in an office. Like, I remember loving it when it came out. And then when I was finally in an office environment, it was like, oh, no, this is all true. This is I, all 100% true. Yeah, I, I, I like the um, I, I, I it, it does. It really rings true, but it also, you know, I mean, it's, it's Mike Judge bringing his, you know, it's like this whole, like outside the realm of normal office. From what I've seen from the office, though, it's a little too close to home. Yeah. The mundane nonsense. The uh huh. <laughs> so this will be interesting for me watching these things and um, hearing you guys just do it. And I'm going to be coming from the line of. My God, I remember going through that exactly on this day at my job. You know, <laughs> like I have a feeling this is going to bring back like memories that I block from different businesses I work for. Yeah, we're triggering your Vietnam. Yep, yep, yep. You guys are uh, going to get that trauma in there. So, yeah, that's that's really all we got. So then the next next week's um, another six episode block, like we discussed. Uh, Except the last, last half is when Lynch Frost comes back. We're through the thick of the bad stuff, right? Yeah, now. it won't be as glossed over, I think, as the no, six. No, we're going to go into a little more details, uh, especially when it gets to, I believe, uh, variations on relations, path to the Black Lodge, and Miss Twin Peaks. Yes, absolutely. Those ones actually have substance to them, I feel. Yes, yes. This was just... Uh, yeah, it's. I feel. I feel kind of bad. Uh, the last, the last one we reviewed of this, or last that we watched, was actually directed by Diane Keaton. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Like, uh, they didn't really have that many celebrity uh, guest directors that people really knew of. Diane Keaton was a pretty big name. I don't know if that was just to try to get buzz to get people watching, but I think at this point it was already unwatchable for most people. Yeah. So here's, um, this is something we can, we can go through real quick, I guess, since we are, we kind of at the end, but let's get into this a little bit. So, uh, Caleb Deschanel, um, isn't that the father of, uh, the Deschanel sisters? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, directed one, Diane Keaton. We just talked about, uh, Dwayne Durham, uh, Graham, uh, yeah, Dwayne Durham, yep. uh, longtime 
Yeah, Lynch guy. He worked on Return of the Jedi and Blue Velvet. Uh, I think he worked on some of the Halloween movies, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Graham Clifford um, directed Joan of Arcadia and Sisters. Um, James Foley, uh, Jonathan uh, Sanger, um, who also helped on Elephant Man in L.A. Law. Uh, Leslie uh, Linka Gladder, who has done The Walking Dead, True Blood, Mad Men. Um, Stephen uh, Gyllenhaal, um, who's the father of Maggie and Jake, um, who's also done The Mentalist, Blue Bloods. Uh, Tim Hunter, who did uh, some of Breaking Bad, Dexter, and American Horror Story. Uh, Todd Holland, who has done Friends and 30 Rock. Yeah. Um, this is kind of where some of these people cut their teeth on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, Uli Edel, who did Oz and Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Tina Rathborn, who went on, um, who was known for directing and writing Zelly and Me. Um, worked on on Twin Peaks. Um, obviously, Mark Scott, uh, Mark Frost. Um, yeah, I mean, there was some really famous people that worked on. Yeah, a lot of people went on to direct really great things. Really directed a lot of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, um, and, James... but let's also look at some of the the names here for writings. And these, this is why I'm surprised. Robert Engels wrote a lot of these six episodes. Or like, yes. And uh, Harley Payton did too. Robert Engels co-wrote Firewalk with me. And watching these makes me really question how much he, of the writing process he partook in. Right. Right. <laughs> because, uh, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, he wasn't even, he wasn't asked back for the return. A lot of these. No. no. <laughs> No, and one of the other directors I want to bring up uh, that that Joe actually picked for one of our for one of our projects was the guy was James Foley, who had done Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Excellent movie. Excellent movie. Yeah. Um, but he also did Fifty Shades. He did the Fifty Shades. Yeah, so fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but you had you had a lot of writers on this as well, and it was, um, yeah. uh, you, you just feel ahead. bad. You feel bad for these because they're just they're thrown in, and it's in the mid. You have to understand this. You know, this wasn't like at the beginning of a season where they can kind of craft it as their own. This is like dead in the center of a twenty-plus episode season where the showrunners walked away. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to give them credit for doing a good job, but they didn't. No. Um, let's just say, I mean, they didn't do good. They didn't. The writing sucked. The direction sucked. And I, who do you fault but them? I, I mean, this. You know, people would be like, that's pretty harsh and pretty cynical. But at the end of the day, you have to, who was responsible for this? And it's these people. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the writers real quick. So Harley Payton um, helped with the screenplay for Less Than Zero. Um, Which is, uh, if you read the book, you'll understand why that screenplay and movie eventually sucked because it took all the darkness out of it and the nihilism of Bret Easton Ellis's. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. It's uh, totally missed the point of the book. 
missed the point of the book. Then, I mean, to give you an idea, right after that, they went on the th- Three Musketeers. I mean, come on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Bronx is burning, Wedding Band, Dominion, Dark Matter, uh, Channel Zero, which is something on um, um, uh, Shudder, which is very hit or miss. It's very hit or miss. Robert Ingalls uh, wrote for Adromeda, Sequest uh, DSV, um, Wise Guys. Didn't really do a whole lot of great stuff. Um, Barry Pullman is known for Against the Law, Twin Peaks, Nightmare Cafe. Wrote for Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, Roswell, New Amsterdam. And Trisha Block, Brock was brought in because, um, you know, she done Knott's Landing and Family Law. And had done The Car Kid and has done episodes of Grey's Anatomy, Veronica Mars, Ugly Betty, The L Word, Gossip Girls, Breaking Bad. I mean, Trisha was is like the star. Unfortunately, when it came down to the writing credits, Trisha didn't really get into it till The Condemned Woman. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, there's just not a it's lot. Just kind of with this, what, this was throwing everything at the wall to yeah. see what sticks and it shows and again it, it's these people attach their name to it uh they 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 sh- they shit the bed yeah they really uh, shit the bed i mean i want to like i'm sure that after 30 years of being crapped on like us continuing it doesn't help but if it makes me feel good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Because I yeah. sat through this. I watched this. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, just just because you did some good things after you fucking destroyed the show I love. Right. <laughs> right. Doesn't, no, absolutely. Doesn't, doesn't excuse you from this. No, no. So, I, you know, I think that's there was a lot that went wrong. And there's just there's not much else you can you can say about these six episodes. No, it's just, there's nothing that's, it, it's, it goes, it just goes over the top ridiculous, and uh, they just didn't have a game plan, and it shows, and it's painful. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not, it's not, these are, these six episodes are not fun to watch. No. Even no. like, even like, the latter half of the next six episodes, at least they're stupid, but at least there's things I can enjoy in them. These just really didn't have anything besides Briggs, Cooper, and uh, the idea of a better Wyndham. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like this, I think was the was was the worst block we could have done. Yeah, and I'm glad we got it out of the way. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Me too. Because I know I know I'm going to start enjoying it a little bit more yes. as we start moving on. Yeah. And uh, again, everybody. Uh, Tell us your theories, your ideas. If you love these episodes that we just uh, yeah. just took a giant pile, took a giant crap on, tell us why we're wrong. We're open to listening. I am. I mean, is there some deeper meaning to some of this stuff that we missed that we're not seeing because I don't fucking see it? <laughs> yeah, I don't see it either. But, you know, I mean, somebody could find something and be like, hey, have you thought of it this way? And be like, oh. Okay, 
we're open-minded on this. Absolutely. We're calling I'm Mike not... Snake. I am not budging on that. <laughs> but he's Snake. He's even God called Snake it. in the movie. He's called Snake in the movie. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I do not care. David Lynch can be wrong, too. You know that was an Angles writing thing. Yeah, you know that was an Angles writing thing. You know that Just was Angles. me off. That was probably the only thing he contributed. Um, he's gonna call Bobby's gonna call Mike Snake. Hey, put my name on that, David. I think I think we've hit the end of this, Paul. All right, they hit the old dusty trail. And uh, why don't you take us out? We are not going to talk about Nick